Hello, Plannerverse. Welcome to episode 109 of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Plannerverse. With me, as always, is Sir King Steve Morton. Hello, Sir King. <laughs> How Sir are you? King. Lord, Sir King. Lord, please. <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord of the nothing and uh, King of the everything. <laughs> How are you? Fine. I'm for good. It's good to see you over there with, uh, in France with your grey jumper. We're further into um, the year than I, I think thought we I, would We get, were having a we're good laugh fine. this week, Steve and I, about how someone didn't know what, what jumper meant. And uh, now I'm just having a go at him no. every time he wears one. I'm just, uh, hey, hey, nice jumper. <laughs> so so this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you put it on? You jump in. That's why it's called a jumper. Um, so, so this week we've got an interesting episode lined up for you. I've been fielding about three to four requests a week at this point for people wanting to see inside. Well, people have been wanting to see inside my planner for years. Uh, I can't reveal these things because I've literally got names of clients running amok. Now, what I have done, and in all fairness, this has nothing to do with the episode, but just for everyone listening, I have gone through the year 2014 of my desk fax planner inserts. And yes, I've kept them. And I've washi taped out every instance of a client or a phone number. So I'll be making a video walkthrough of how I planned in 2014, which is not too different than how I'm planning today. So at least in terms of consistency and legacy, it's there. Um, you have to use it, that washi tape up somehow then. Exactly. It wasn't going to be using itself and God knows you're not <laughs> using it, Steve. So, so there I go. Hello, kitty washi tape. Off you go. <laughs> Steve's doing a little cheer in the back going, thank God it's not me. Um, so this, this episode, this week's episode is about project planning. And that's the, the emails I've been fielding for the last uh, three or four weeks. I think what it is, is people are sat in their homes looking at the four walls, wondering what can be improved. And they're like, hey, I need to create a project. And this seems like a good idea. And every time they sit down to write a project, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I attest, and I think Steve will also attest, that you all, in fact, know exactly what you're doing. And we'd like to bring that to your attention. We found a nice little article on Toggle that Steve is going to link to the notes section of the episode once we're complete. But I'm going to turn it over to Sir King Lord Steve Morton right now. Um, because he has some really nice examples and I want to set it up for you because I think when people email me saying they don't know what, how to do project planning or what's project management or all of that stuff, I think what they're really asking for is how do banking mergers happen? Because I think that's what they're thinking when it comes to project planning, that it's got to be that sophisticated level with numbers and charts and graphs and laser pointers and boardroom meetings and, and I don't know, all the other stale coffee and donuts that are served at such events that I'm highly allergic to. And um, our Sir King Lord Steve at this point will be showing us that in fact, project planning can be very simple or as sophisticated as you'd like it to be. So um, Steve, I pass the baton to you and I urge you to take us through a project planning of your own. Tell us what you've done. I was going to say it's a bit more mundane than uh, 
the exciting big big projects that well we that's the whole have. point isn't it that's the whole yeah. point i want everyone mm. to see that project planning is democratized there is mm. nothing uh uncivilized about it there's nothing that you can't wrap your head around it and there's nothing that you probably haven't done 98 of right now all you've mm. got to do is finish the two percent so so take it away for us steve i know you're good at this yeah, so a lot of people think, oh, well, it must be the equivalent of putting the man on the moon. And, you know, right, right, and exactly. There's, there's, a, there's a massive team spread Where's across the, the country. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and all these massive teams all sort of come together in some shape or form and all the rest of it. But, yeah, that's a project. But it's made up of lots of small projects. Mm. And whatever it is you're planning to do could be, you know, pretty much in line with one of those smaller jobs. I myself have done lots of project planning and stuff in a work environment in the past, but they tended to be, you know, medium-sized projects, but with a small team of people. So that was that had its limitations. Like, you can't start all the tasks all on day one. You have to wait until one task is done before you can go on and do the next and do on go before you go to the next one after that and what have you. Um, but more recently, we, I mentioned this on the, the um, podcast before, we recently redid um, one of our main bedrooms here, but it involved moving a lot of things around um, in the house. So... I ended up sitting down one day in a sort of an idle moment, working out, right. I call it the order. pandemic doldrums. The pandemic yeah. doldrums, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What order do we have to do this in? Like, disassemble that wardrobe, move that to there, do this, do this, do this, and, and so on and so on. I had several iterations of this plan in the end because... It wasn't helped that we started in March, not realising just around the corner there was going to be lockdown. And so we then couldn't carry on um, beyond a certain point. We got so far into it and grind to a halt. And then we ended up with you know, two bedrooms looking like building sites almost, not quite. <laughs> but we did yeah. manage to keep one bedroom in full working order without too much disturbance, thank goodness. But... That was only because we'd, I'd sort of sat down before, before we started doing anything yeah. and thought, right, what do we need to do and in what order? Now, that might sound grand. Yes, I ended up putting it on paper so that I could remember these steps when I was trying to explain it to Alison and said, look, this is, this is the order we're going to do things in. And the the hard thing was there was well which bedrooms which <laughs> on my magic plan you know which is right. one which is two which right. is three because it was it involved all three of them. But well, I think it there. was moving moving furniture. I think out of the way so that you can clear mm. space to move the bedroom furniture into initially. Right. I think yeah. your first bedroom was being more used like storage. I think or yeah, there was just so, not a bedroom condition in there. So it. One room ended up not being a bedroom, effectively. It right, became right. a sort of multi-purpose room. That was the end goal, if you like. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, that gave us the sort of space in which to move other things into, sort of on a temporary or 
semi-permanent basis sort of thing. Did you um, have any of this uh, planned down on paper? Yes, I ended up putting it on paper to actually make some sense. It was just a simple itemized list, really. Sure. Of, this is the order, and, and because that then made it easier for me to shuffle things around and also to tick things off as we went through the list and then looking at the, the remaining things and mm -hmm. saying, right, do we continue with this in the same order or can we now shuffle this sort of thing around? Do we want to move this thing in later on or do I leave it as it is now sort of thing? So even though we sort of started later on, as things developed sort of thing, things did get changed, My, you know, sort of slight changes. But right. in the end, we did get to the end of the whole process. Um, and some things, you know, there wasn't any changes on the thing for, you know, several weeks at a time because of, you know, supply problems, if you like. And then once we got yeah. stuff arrived, of course, then things started to happen quite quickly, really. So it was interesting to me when we were talking offline that you had said um, that you, you started the process and it, everything was great. And then because of the pandemic, things came to a halt. And I think that's one of the main issues that people have is that they have this idea that once you do a project, you're everything is chiseled in stone. And I think it's quite the opposite mm. is that you have to be able to move the parameters and the guidelines, which I think was what they are. They're guidelines, not rules of when you ought to accomplish. Now, of course, if you're, a client is paying you, for example, it's one set of guidelines. And if you're redecorating your own bedroom, it's another set of guidelines. So the fact that you had to move your timetable, you said you thought it was going to last about six weeks. It ended up lasting six mm. months, right? The yeah. whole thing. <laughs> Right. So, so your goal was um, create new bedroom area. Mm. Right. And that went from six weeks to six months. And if you could run me through the process of at what point did you realize that you needed to adopt a different thinking methodology to make your project pan out? Where was it that you're like, huh, I think I've got to rethink what I initially set out to do. And how did you do it? One of the things that occurred to me when we were doing the initial um, thing, we, we sort of knew what we end, wanted to end up with in terms of what was going to be in that room, if you like. One yeah. of the uncertain things, because, because of the... It's trying to imagine. If you imagine you suddenly put a big, a new piece of furniture in a room, you're suddenly going to use a different bed in that room how much space is between the end of the bed and the doors of the wardrobe? That's that's the sort of real nuts and bolts of this thing. And right. we had sort of two options. Right, if this space is too tight a space, then we revert to a different bed, but obviously we don't change the wardrobe. We just swap the beds over. And that was going to be the last thing in the chain of things. We'll try it with this one first. If that doesn't work, we'll do a quick swap. Right, swap a room. Yeah, but we'd actually anticipated that possibility at the very beginning of the thing. So right. that was that pos potential swap was in there um, before we even sort of started, sort of thing. We sort of we were trying to anticipate all the problems we were 
potentially going to end up with before we even commenced. But I could see straight away one of the big problems I was going to have was how can I physically get these large items in and out of different rooms? Because the, there was mm. one um, double wardrobe that I wanted to retain, but that had to be taken apart to be moved from one room to the other and then reassembled. Right, right. So, so that in and of itself could have been a micro project, right? Like so yeah. a project within a project, right? Mm. Overall, your goal is to move bedrooms, but in order to do so, you have to take apart a wardrobe and rebuild yeah. so that it can be contained. And I think that's part of the, the steps of project planning. So you have step one, which is start. Step two, setting the goals. Mm. Step three, defining and assigning the tasks between you and Allison. It's a two-person mm. project. You all are figuring out what needs to be moved. The time to select the the project goals like so when are these goals meant to be met and then going back and editing and revisiting these goals to make sure that they're being done and so if in the process you realize hey wait a minute i like this wardrobe it's too big for here but i need to move it so that's adding and shifting your bar if you want digital bar or analog bar in terms of timeline of when and how you're mm. going to complete it so it's not that you're off task when you suddenly you're doing the wardrobe. And I know everybody out there, look, we're not trying to, to be stupid about this, right? We get it's a very simple example, but I really want everyone to get their heads wrapped around the fact that this is a very good example of how you can begin to plan whatever it is you're trying to plan. Are you planning a garden? Are you planning something else? You know, what is it, whatever it is. Um, and so, so, yeah, go ahead, Steve. One of the, the silly little things little sidelines of this was you know how much uh, hanging space will we end up with compared to what we have now so we were literally going around thinking yeah well we've got so many meters there so many meters here right what does that end up resulting in when in the with the new sort of setup and sort of going around measuring each one of those and thinking right so which ones okay so we've done that what do we will we intend to put in which sort of hanging space and by the way yeah we need to allow for different lengths of hanging space as well as you know not only the width but also the length as well <laughs> yeah and so and i agree i mean i personally would think that you hadn't taken all of these things in consideration until you were confronted with them as part mm. of the planning process and I've seen many people throw an entire project out the window because they're like, okay, well, now I've got this whole new set of unknown variables that I've got to deal with or new variables that I've got to deal with. So therefore, my project is completely trashed. And it's not. It really isn't. It's part of the process. And I think mm -hmm. if people just push through and realize that, look, you've just got a, an additional item to color code now in your planner if you're using your color code markers. You've just got one more thing now that's been added to your overall planning success it really isn't a problem I, I find um, all it is is being able to make your project slightly more sophisticated what you thought was a rudimentary project turned out to be slightly more sophisticated than you anticipated mm -hmm. so good on you for now tackling a more sophisticated project um, and then ultimately you develop a timeline you move that timeline forward or backward as necessary based on the circumstances that are limiting your left right operating 
conditions. And then at the end is hopefully you get some kind of reward or recognition or Allison gave you a pat on the back or she bought you a pint or something at the end of the day saying, well done, King Sir Lord Steve, for having completed this task for me. One one of the important things that I've always found, especially when doing this one, is to not attempt to rush from completing one part and start in the next. Give yourself some uh. breathing space in between each section, if you like. Whatever that happens to be, whether it's um, moving from one complete task to the next or part of a task. You know, in in my case, it might have been um, adding the doors. You know, so I've put the doors on. Uh. The next thing I'm going to do is put the handles on the doors. Don't rush into doing it. Think it through first. Be happy that you've got, you know, you've measured it right, you've got the right size drill and all the rest of it. And you've thought it through before you sort of make a sort of start on it. And then you can sort of start with sort of some confidence that you've thought it through. You're not suddenly going to come to a halt halfway through right. doing something. Then you've got to change something. Um, nothing more annoying than sort of getting held up with some problem. What would you say, Steve, to people that come to you and say, well, I've got zero project planning experience based on your experience with people that have come to you saying, hey, I've got zero planning experience? Well, I don't believe them to start with. <laughs> And I think I might have expressed this one before, that we all tackle things in different ways um, in in our sort of just general day-to-day life. And in doing various things that we might be, sometimes we do it for the first time, but particularly if we ever do anything repetitive, that in itself is a small project. We might not think of it as a project, like making a cup of tea or making a cup of coffee, but that's a repetitive task that, you know, we do several times a day or a week or whatever. And you can apply the same principles to just something as simple as that, but just expand it to, to do something different or bigger or whatever. Well, I remember when you had undertaken the the fun idea of writing down the algorithm, or not really the algorithm, but the steps that you were going to take to do the podcast, yeah? Mm. And so on the surface, it looks like put headphones on, turn computer on, turn Skype on, turn QuickTime on, hit record, process, and done, right? But then when you started getting more and more sophisticated, it turned, I think it turned to like a 500 step um, I, it's uh, project, right? Yeah, like it was the ridiculousness pages of it. pages worth of notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then you could, yeah. you could expand it beyond that, you know, to the complete. So it, it really is, it really is reflective of how mm. we plan. If you think about it, it really is a mirror of the uh, getting things done method because you can make it as complicated or as simple as mm. you like. The problem with if you break it down too much, this is a sort of cautionary note from a manager's perspective, is if you end up spending more time keeping your project plan up to date than you do actually doing the thing, 
you've gone a little bit too far. <laughs> right. Right. You know, if if it takes if it's you know, it takes you thirty seconds to do something and then thirty seconds to update the, the plan, that's too much. It's gotta be simple to maintain that plan and not 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 too granular, but just in big enough chunks to say, right, yeah, well I've done all that. Tick. And it might just need a single tick after sort of you've done five or ten steps of something. Look, I would say to everyone who's thinking out there, I'd really like to set up a project in my planner, but I don't know where to start. I would say the first thing, first of all, read the article that we're sending you because it's got really good steps on on what you can start with and how you can start, which I love their number one, which is just start (laughs) because it really is that simple, right? Put an idea down on paper and be like, hey, or even if you don't want to start with a project, do something that you're already successful at, like Steve said, like making tea or coffee. For example, if if you clean the bathroom or if you have a cleaning routine for your household and you've got that down pat, try writing down the steps to see how you get to an end result. And now you've got a list of things that you can understand how your brain works in analyzing it, and then just repeat the process with something more or less complicated, depending on which direction you want to go in. Yeah. So do something that you've done, you know, more than once before, and you yeah. you know you do you repeat that process, you know, each time sort of thing. Maybe it might be just doing the washing or doing right. anything really around the house. You know, you do these things and you've got an established routine for doing them. Um, it might be to make a particular meal that you, you enjoy with the family and you, you repeat that meal every six weeks or every three weeks or whatever. Um, but then just, a, a, just if you've never actually written down a project plan, write it down, but from yeah. a task that you've done before and then just sort of think, well, OK, that wasn't too bad. Then, then you can then apply that learning, if you like, to something that you haven't done before, but you need to do for whatever reason sort of thing. Maybe it is uh, decorate the house or a room right. or whatever. Well, I think one of the pitfalls that I know I've fallen into, and I'm going to put this out there for the plannerverse to hear, is that you have to be very concrete and and specific about how you know you've succeeded at your project. Because if you leave your goal ambiguous, like finish the house, for example, what does finish the house mean? It may not be finished for the next 10 years. And you'll find yourself in this position of having created a task that's like Sisyphus's battle, right? It's never ending. Mm-hmm. You're perpetually stuck in a project that's never going to end. Or the, the size of it is just so overwhelming that it just doesn't motivate you to want to get up and do anything. So if you find yourself in a position where this thing's never going to get done, I would suggest that that's how you know your project's too big. And you've got to break it down into smaller steps so that you can have a definite timeline where you can say ah when x happens i'll know i'll be complete and and that's that's my biggest point to to everyone i would say too big or too vague in its definition yeah, yeah absolutely because then you don't know where to start you right. th- you've got this mountain in front of you and you think oh which way is it to get up to the top of the mountain Right. Like if I I just peeked at Steve's planner the other day, he doesn't know. But on top of of page one for February, it had said 
try and take over the world, right? So how does he know he succeeded? Like at what point has he succeeded in taking over the world? Is it when everyone does the planning the way that he wants it? Is it when every, right? How do you know you succeeded? So again, I agree with Steve. Is If, if your project is, seems insurmountable to you um, and you're coming up intractable, with intractable ways to solve it, then I, I think the biggest thing you ought to do is the language is so important to try and make extremely specific uh, language, use specific language to get to a point where you can identify how you'll know it's complete. Also, don't be afraid to change your plan partway through. Amen. Yes, yes. So you do sort of do a um, plan, action, review, and then do you go and you go back to sort of right? Do I change the plan or do I go on to the next thing? Yeah, I think part the of the review thing. then goes back to the goals. The review goes yeah. back to the goals and say, is this attainable? Mm. Is this specific? Is this measurable? Is this something quantifiable? Is this mm. something that I can look at and go, oh, yeah, absolutely. So mm. really the goal setting, you, the language and the goal setting really directs the the purpose of the of the project. Mm. And, and if you find yourself getting stuck, then in the review process, I agree, Steve, it's in the mm. review process that mm. you'll be able to see, oh, you know what? We were a little bit too odd about taking over the world. Let's just try and take over France right now and then we'll we'll move our way through through Europe <laughs> we'll take over the Atlantic Atlantis will be ours and then America so don't, don't be afraid of failure if you like learn from what was going wrong so you can correct it before you get too far down the track is it really failure though Steve is it really a failure if you look through your no. process in the review process and you see that you've overstepped or understepped the goal setting process? Isn't that part of the process? Yeah, so you, you, you're sort of, you know, sort of giving it a nudge in a slightly different direction or you put the right stop. We can't do this. Let's do right. it this way instead sort of thing. I think the only way you could fail at project planning is if you do not go through with it. The whole process of project planning is going to require you to flex some brain muscle and be able to shift around guidelines, schedules, uh, all kinds of details for the goals so that it actually fits on where you can make it measurable and realistic. I once worked for someone who was insistent on us completing this thing, even though we knew what the um, outcome was going to be. We said, look, there's no point in continuing this. We know what the end result is going to be. Do you want me to continue? Because it's basically just spending money when we know what the result is. It's basically just repeating what we did last right. time. So there's nothing new to right. learn. Um, and then for all those people that see project management online in terms of digital software, I know Steve and I were talking about mm. this prior to the recording, but just because it's software doesn't mean it's good you know i think mm. there's this underlying thinking well uh if i only had the digital software then i could make it work for me and i but steve and i both agree to this is that if you can't write it down on paper and make a project come out on a calendar on a paper calendar then you sure as heck are not going to be able to make it on the digital planner because the digital planner doesn't have the nuance of gray thinking it only thinks yes or no it doesn't think, as Steve said, well, it's okay if I don't do the wardrobe today because I can still move some other boxes around 
or I can, you know, I can measure the distance between my bed and the wardrobe and still see if, if that works around. Then I don't have to move that yet. I can think about it the week prior or after. So there's a lot of gray areas where the computer doesn't see human interaction and nuance of, of um, execution at a human level. It's, it's very possible for you to walk and chew gum at the same time, but the computer can't. <laughs> I don't know if Steve can either, but hey, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I've sort of been down that sort of muddy track before where mm. you put all the tasks in and all it basically turns around and says, you haven't got enough resources. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it. You were telling me, the computer was telling me, telling you that you needed more resources for yeah. your project. Yeah, there's only work. two of us. And it's like, so, no, you know, we can't the maximum amount of people we have. <laughs> sort of team of 20 for this project. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's, right. It was crazy. Right. So, so hire that, more people. <laughs> no, hire more people. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, we'll end at that point. End at yeah, that we're point good. Because, we're good with that. Um, you know, if in doubt, if there's, if you do have any sort of questions that you think one of us can answer on this topic, by all means, get in touch with us because um, we both have experience different maybe of, of project planning at some point in our lifetimes yeah. work lifetimes or otherwise really i will say one thing before before we do our sign off I, I would like to say one thing my project planning happens on blank paper i don't have specialized sheets for it i don't have anything that's sexy it's a blank pieces of paper in which i write down what i'd like to accomplish and then the only thing that happens in the calendar is me setting up the milestones. So by this day, I'd like X, Y, Z to happen. By this day, we move, we move forward and that's it. So really, I don't have any specialized project plan. I've tried project planning inserts. It really doesn't help me move things along. Mm -hmm. But then again, I'm not doing very sophisticated projects either. So if your mm -hmm. project is less, you know, you're not putting someone on the moon, then I think you'll be okay with plain paper. Mm -hmm. That's my personal Yeah, just something as simple as simple graph paper for just drawing lines on a yeah. graph and then yeah. marking off the weeks or, or whatever. It's, right. you know, a very simple approach. And then you don't have to worry. You don't even have to worry about specific dates then. You just say, right, well, week one of the project, whenever that happens to be, we'll be doing this. Right. Week two, we'll, we'll draw another line and do that. And then it's flexible in terms of right. you can... If it's a, something you're going to do again and again and again sort of thing, you just get that same pl plot out again and juggle it around accordingly and right. um, rerun with the thing. So uh, where can we find you on the interwebs? Oh, my goodness. I'm everywhere now. I'm on Gab. I'm on Telegram. I'm on Parler. I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm in Las Vegas and I'm I'm also on throat punch resumes and planarology and sometimes peeking in at steve and giving him issues posting my sale items on julio marketplace <laughs> where are you steve i thought we'd agreed not to mention that but never mind <laughs> <laughs> you will find me in the usual place of filofaxi.com travelersnotebooktimes.com and Mr. Filofaxi on instagram and don't forget folks if you've enjoyed our mutterings and humor together today don't forget to like it subscribe to it and share it and 
if you get a chance, take a look at our Patreon page. We'd love to have you on board on the Patreon page to get early access to the recordings and other bits of um, additional sort of Swag. material, if you like. Have a good one.